time. We are a day away from the University of Utah taking on North Dakota, the season opener at Rice Eccles Stadium Thursday night. Welcome in. I'm Brian Swinney. You're listening to the UteCast here on Ute Zone and UteZone.com. Utah, North Dakota, season kicking off. We spent an entire fall camp watching Utah hit each other or play patty cake with each other or just kind of tap each other on the rear ends and uh, or maybe tap each other on the helmets. And that was it. And finally, we get to watch somebody else. And we get to watch the Utes hit somebody. And somebody else hit the, hit the Utes. It wouldn't be fun if just one guy was hitting everybody or one team was hitting the entire other team and they couldn't hit back. So Thursday night, uh, a battle at Rice-Eccles Stadium. And Utah, this is going to be their sixth opponent. Sixth FCS opponent they have played since joining the Pac-12 Conference. The Utes current have in those five games, previous five games, they have outscored their opponents 218 to 31. That's 43.6 to six per game, and uh, an edge of 37.6 points per game. So. It, it, my mind was fuzzy. Maybe I'm, maybe I'm just a negative guy. I'm sitting there thinking, man, I remember all these these FCS games. That, I mean, Utah won handily, but weren't that convincing. I mean, the Weber State one was an absolute blood. I remember that. And I went back, and I kind of was looking at the box scores going, oh, yeah, now, oh, now I remember. Now, now last year against Southern Utah was 24-0. And a shutout's great. Offensively, Utah was not great. And even defensively, they had, they had a few issues. But at the end of the day, they shut out. So, uh, Southern Utah, and I don't think Southern Utah really, I don't think they crossed like the, the 35 maybe, the 30, the 40 maybe even in Utah territory. The Utes just absolutely dominated that game on the defensive side of the ball outside of a few issues early. They got those corrected. But 43.6 to 6 in the last five games against FCS opponents. The only time Utah has gone a season without playing an FCS opponent since joining the Pac-12 was two years ago when they took on Michigan and Utah State along with uh, somebody else in their non-conference camera. Who was it? Uh, Fresno State maybe? Was it Fresno? I think it was Fresno. Yeah, but this will be the sixth time in seven years that they will have an FCS opponent on the schedule, and most of those have been opener openers, Thursday night openers at home. It should be a holiday in the state. We've pushed for this for years. I think since about 2013 or so, we've been trying to push for this, getting more and more support that the the first Thursday of the college football season, that first Thursday for Utah's game, should be a state holiday. And I don't care about Utah State and obviously BYU not being a state institution. They don't matter. But uh, when the Utes play that Thursday night home opener at 530, which everybody hates because nobody's – I mean, I don't expect everybody to get there on time tomorrow. All right, 530 is ridiculous for a get there on time. It's built around TV. It is what it is. But getting there at 530, absolutely <laughs> difficult to do for a lot of people. Give them the day off. Make it a national holiday. Make it a paid holiday, employers. A paid holiday as well. Take that Thursday off. Everybody can go to the game if they want to go to the game there. They can get there on time. Start The tailgating would be starting tomorrow night. I'm sure some students will be. Eh, maybe not. Maybe some students will camp out. I have no idea. That's more of a, a college game day sort of thing or top 10 matchup. I got to get tickets sort of thing. The muscle do. But college football is, is, is here. I mean, we had games this past weekend. BYU played. Uh, a couple other teams played. No, no real huge teams. Uh, I mean, there were no big games this past weekend. But a, a huge slate of games this weekend. Miami, or excuse me, Alabama and Florida State are battling. BYU is going to travel or take on LSU. You've got Texas A&M and UCLA. And the game nobody's really talking about at all is a neutral side game between Florida and Michigan. But we're talking Thursday night's matchup between Utah and North Dakota. And this, at least on paper, this team is much, this team, this North Dakota team is much better or is better than any FCS team Utah has played at this point since joining the Pac-12. Hands down. On paper, they are the best. Number eight rate team in FCS, which probably equates to about 
I don't know, 75th at the FBS level? 80th? You're essentially an, an average Sunbelt team. I mean, a Sunbelt team can't can't beat you, but but this is a team that's that's coming in that, that finished number 12 in the rankings last year, and, and they're potent on, on both sides of the ball. Don't, don't get me started on that, that secondary. That secondary for North Dakota is unreal. I don't know how Utah's going to pass for a single yard. I mean, Tyler Huntley may go 0 for 43 uh, in that game, but but no, Utah should be able to move the ball. But I, I want to start with, <clears throat> with with Utah's offense and how they're going to move this ball. And obviously we know this, the storyline. This is Tyler Huntley's first start. He he won the job. And I, I, I want to con- push that, that word. He won the job by playing, according to the coaches, better than Troy Williams throughout fall camp. And I thought Troy Williams played very good, so Utah should have a very good quarterback making his first start. But... There are nerves that come with the first start. I mean, every quarterback will tell you that first start, first game of the season, the first time you ever start. I mean, he's going to have 45,000 people in the stadium watching him, plus another, what is this game? I think it's Pac-12 Network game. So you'll have like 48 people at home watching it. He's got 45,048 people watching this game. That's a lot of people. That's a lot of pressure. You've never been in that situation. I know he played at a high level. At the, the floor level, you play in stadiums this big. There's a lot of pressure for Tyler Huntley going in, but I think he'll be just fine handling it. And, and and Utah, you know what? Don't be surprised if Utah jumps out or doesn't jump out fast offensively. They feel their way out. I mean, J- Troy Taylor's never called these guys these these plays with these players in a game situation. He's got to see how they're going to respond. He's got to see the flow of the game. He wants to see what, what North Dakota looks like. There's not that Utah's just going to come out and just kneel the ball just to see what they look like. But don't be surprised if Utah starts slowly. In, in their season opener with a brand new quarterback and four new offensive linemen and two starting receivers who are essentially new starters and your tight end position in uh, not, not having the depth it needs. Hopefully Harrison Hanley will play. It looks like there's a very good chance he'll play, but but you're missing Armand Shaw. I mean, you got a brand new starting running back. There are a lot of pieces here offensively for Utah for that first game where you might just go, all right, these guys, a lot of these guys, this is their first start. The majority of guys starting for Utah on the offensive side of the ball, this is their first start. And when you're in your first start and you want to keep things simple, you don't want to put too much on a guy. Like, I wouldn't be surprised if on that first play if Troy Taylor has Tyler Henley hucking the ball downfield. But for the most part, during that first quarter, I would expect Utah to be kind of vanilla. Feel out to North Dakota. All right. Look, you have the advantage athletically. You have the advantage from a size perspective, you have every you have better coaches. You have every single advantage you have. So don't make any mistakes. That's going to be a big part of that first quarter. Is all right. Let's get Tyler Huntley. Let's get comfortable. Let's do some some easy passes again. That first play, I wouldn't be surprised if they hucked it downfield. All right, put these guys on their toes, catch them off guard. But Utah's probably going to do what they do. They're going to their bread and butter to start things out to get these guys comfortable to get Huntley comfortable handing the ball off. And, and dropping back and making some short passes or quick throws and get these offensive linemen comfortable with the flow of the game. A lot of these guys haven't played at this level. They don't know what the flow of the game is like. Some of these wide receivers, Darren Carrington, what's game speed look like for him when he's on the field as a Ute as opposed to, to, to as a Duck? I mean, there are a lot of different components that go into this, and, and I'm of the thought that Utah's going to take a little while to get going here. And it's and it's not necessarily just because Utah's got so many guys and, and that Utah's bad. This offense, I believe in this offense more than any offense I've ever believed in at the University of Utah. And when I say I believe in this offense, it's that I believe in the structure of the offense. 
I believe in the uh, talent of the offense. I believe I, I believe in the coach calling the offense. I believe in the coaches running the offense. I believe in in, in the ability of some of the players. I just think it's going to take time. Like I, I believe in the offense. Do I believe in the 2017 offense? You got to show me. Show, show me at this point. I mean, you've had no game. You looked impressive in fall camp, more so than I've ever seen. But you know what? The running game doesn't look like it's the. It's, it's definitely going to take a step back, and, and we didn't see anything. We didn't see anything in fall camp that would make us say, "All right, the running game is going to be improved." It's going to take a step back. You lost four off- starting offensive linemen to the NFL draft, all of whom were probably better run blockers than pass blockers, except for Sam Tevy. So three guys in Dealman, um, Bowles, and Asiata who are better at run blocking than pass blocking. And they're all NFL draft picks, including one guy drafted in the first round who's a starting tackle already for the Denver Broncos, two years removed from a Super Bowl. And you're going to take a little bit of a step back. Give these guys – look, if, if I hear – if there's panic, and, and, I'll, and, and I'll be on the boards and I'll be on Twitter during the game, and if there's panic at the end of the first quarter – then I'm going to lose it. I'm going to lose it. Give this a little bit of time. And again, this North Dakota defense is pretty good. They're, they're pretty good. They got a secondary that picked off 20 passes last year. Now, I know they're missing a player, all right? They're missing one of their better players um, who is an All-American candidate coming in the season who is out for the year. But that doesn't mean they don't have really good players on that, on that defense. They've got... Now, their, their linebackers go 215 essentially across the board. They, they've got very light linebackers, one at 235. They, put, they run a 3-4, so you've got four linebackers back there. But they've kind of got like three extra safeties on the field. It's all about speed. It's all about blitzing. Uh, it's, it's not necessarily about size. And if I'm Utah, I go, okay, this is a matchup where looking at the size of the other team, and, and that front three for them isn't very big either. I mean, their nose guard goes about 290. They've got a couple ends that are like 230, 235. They're not big. What do you do when a team's not as big? And you're very good, and you're comfortable running the football. And you know that's what you do well, and that's what you've done well for years. And you're breaking in a new offensive line, a new starting running back, and and essentially a backup starting running back who hasn't really played much, and a brand-new quarterback, and a brand-new system. What's safe? What's safe? I mean, if I'm wrong, I'm wrong, and that's okay. If I'm wrong and Utah comes out and they're just firing the ball and throwing it around, that's fine. I just think the safe play and the Utah play and probably the smart play – just come out and run that football. Come out and run that football against an undersized front seven. That's what Utah's going to do well. And I think against a, a team that like North Dakota, look, their offense, good size. The defense, the secondary's got very good size. The secondary's got some good players. Linebackers are good play. They, they, they've got a couple good linebackers. They, they lost a lot of starters from last year, a lot of their production. They lost a lot on the defensive line as well. They're going to be led by that secondary. So what do you do? Their team is is breaking in some new starters. Run through weakness right now. See what those guys do. See what what they do well. I mean, you've got a lot of guys who are going to have those same nerves on the defensive side of the ball. They're lining up at, at defensive end and lining up at linebacker and even lining up at the at some of the uh, the spots in the secondary. So if you're Utah, what's the best way to come out and do this? To to me, it's get put them on their toes if you want to right away. And I'd love to see Tyler Huntley take a shot down. Tyler Huntley took a shot down the field to Darren Carrington on play one. Even if it doesn't work, I'm 100% okay with it. 100% okay with it because it puts the the defense on their toes. All right. Yeah, we think they're going to run the ball more often than than throw it at least to start. And that's probably what they're anticipating. But 
now we know we've got to watch for this deep ball. Now we know, hey, these guys have some speed. These, I mean, they know that Utah's got speed, but hey, these guys have some speed. Hey, these guys can connect on this play. Hey, they're willing to take that shot, take that chance. And I think keeping them on their toes with that first play of the game will be absolutely great. But I think Utah over the course of the first quarter, and maybe into the second quarter, until Tyler Huntley's comfortable, and that's the goal. Utah's not going to lose on Thursday. Night. It's just not going to happen. All right, just The chances of that happening are absolutely minuscule. Utah's, there are types of programs that lose the FCS teams. Iowa State, um, Texas Tech, um, Vanderbilt, a Kentucky. Those are the kind of teams. I mean, even the Pac-12, an Oregon State, Washington State. Those are the teams that lose the FCS teams. Utah is not the type of team that loses to an FCS. There's a team in the Pac-12 that's going to lose to an FCS team. Well, I would have said Colorado, but probably Arizona is the team I would say most likely to lose to an FCS team. That neither UCLA nor USC has ever played an FCS team in their history. I could be wrong on that, F- uh, that USC one. That may have changed recently. No, no. It's still USC, UCLA. I think Notre Dame is the other one. Washington was in that boat, but they, they, they love the FCS teams now. Sark got all over that scheduling of FCS teams. I think it's UCLA, USC, and, and Notre Dame. And, and Utah's... I'm, Continues to play FCS teams, but they're not going to lose to them. Utah's not going to lose to an FCS team. It's just, that's, there's, Kyle Whittingham prepares too well. His players are too disciplined and too focused for them. I mean, they could have a bad game. Like, Utah could have a rough game tomorrow. They could win 24 or 14 on, uh, on Thursday night. And we'd be disappointed and say, oh, hell, jeez, what is wrong with this team? What is wrong with this team? But they're not going to lose. They're not going to lose Thursday night. You can throw that out of your head. So if, if, they're, if they're not going to lose Thursday night, the goal is essentially development. Development of, of Tyler Huntley. Yeah, you want to play well. You want to keep your guys healthy. Stay healthy. Develop Tyler Huntley because he's the most important player on this team if you want to win the Pac-12 South this season. He is. Your quarterback generally always is. Almost every single team. Unless you're like, well, even Navy or an Army. Because that guy's run the football a ton. But if I'm Utah, what I'm doing and, and looking at – North Dakota's team, I break Tyler Huntley in slow, and then I kind of unleash him a little bit more in the second quarter and get him comfortable and, and start making those throws. And it, Tyler Huntley could throw for 300 yards in this game. He's He has the talent to do it. Utah has the improved wide receiver core to do it. But we've never seen him do it. All right? When was the last time Utah quarterback threw for 300 yards? Did Troy t- Williams do it last year? I feel like he didn't. I think it was, I don't remember. Was it Adam Schultz? Maybe a Wazoo? Utah's going to throw the football at some point and they're going to open up this offense a little bit and we're going to see good chunks of what Troy Taylor's offense is but I think the safest play and probably the smartest play in the Whittingham play and probably Troy Taylor play is let's get him confidence let's keep him comfortable let's make sure that he doesn't go out there and throw three picks because there are good enough ball hawks in the secondary for North uh, North Dakota and this is a guy a, a true sophomore making his first ever start that's a combination for a poten- for the potential of turnovers. All right? Guys turn it over. Even fifth-year seniors, six-year seniors turn it over. True freshmen turn it over. But guys that are younger, making those first starts, they tend to be ones that have a more of a propensity to turn balls over in a game. I think Utah does well on the offensive side of the ball. I think it maybe takes a little bit while to get going. I do think Tyler Huntley has a good game, an efficient game. I'm not going to say Tyler Huntley goes out there and lights up the world. I think he has an efficient game. I think that's the most important thing, along with that development, the efficiency. Now, if he throws a pick, he throws a pick. But I wouldn't expect him to throw a pick. I think they're going to draw up a game plan that's going to keep things, I don't want to say simple, 
because that's probably going to scare away Utah fans with this offense, and that's not the case. It's simple but complex. It's going to be simple, but he's going to make a ton of different throws, a ton of different throws that are high-percentage throws, and then he's going to make a couple of throws that make Utah fans go, wow, all right, that's the kind of talent that if it's consistent, we can win a Pac-12 South title this season. So I would expect Utah's offensive line to do a very good job against a, a very undersized North Dakota front, a front seven in general, that old 3-4. I think the wide receivers might take a little while to get going with Huntley, get comfortable. But I do think Tyler Huntley and the wide receivers should be able to have a game where he's well over 200 yards and, and able to run it for another 75 or so. So overall, Utah has an edge offensively. If they can get the passing game going, and I think eventually they will, as long as they avoid the turnovers, you should be able to put up 35, 40, 45, 50 points against what I still think is a good North Dakota team if everything goes well. A good target for this team is probably somewhere around 40 points for the game. But Huntley, be efficient. Don't turn the ball over. Get yourself comfortable for game one, and then uh, really take off next week against BYU. Offensive line, penalties. I mean, if you get a... uh, a, a personal foul, all right, we can live with it. Those those tough guy penalties, we'll live with them. But the procedure penalties, stuff like that, that's that's what's going to drive the coaching staff nuts. And with four new guys out there, I would expect a couple of those. But use your bulk, use your strength to beat up on that undersized front seven for North Dakota. And the wide receivers, just catch it. Just catch the damn ball when you, <laughs> when you get it thrown to you, all right? You may not get a ton of opportunities in this game. Utah's not going to go out there and throw it 45 times. Take advantage of the, of, of the 30, 35 throws that Utah makes in this game. All right? Be, be, is, as long as guys are – and if you if they make their catches, if they're out there consistently catching the ball, it's going to build Tyler Huntley's confidence. It's going to keep his confidence high. And you know what, Troy Taylor? No, as, as If you're consistent, if he if Tyler Huntley gets on a roll and is able to complete seven passes in a row, great throughouts or great routes by the receivers, catching the ball, Tyler Huntley put it where it needs to go, that opens up the playbook a little bit more where they can say, all right, we had success, success with that play. Let's take a shot with this maybe a little lower percentage play, but greater reward. Let's see exactly if they can pull this thing off. So if even if Utah does struggle right off the gate, don't panic. You, they'll get this thing going, and if they need to, they can always go back to that trusty ground game, which is what I think they'll do to start the game to get things comfortable. So take a quick break. Come back on the other side. Is Utah? Is, is Utah's defense, are they going to be for a challenge? Is this... Can this North Dakota offense score on Utah? We'll break it all down next. I'm Brian Swinney. You're listening to the Ute Cast here on Ute Zone and UteZone.com. Welcome back to the Utecast here on UteZone and UteZone.com. Second to last episode that this will be known as the Utecast. We are making changes, and we will be known as UteZone Radio starting next week. We'll have some more details uh, on that 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 we're very excited about. But we're the Utecast for this show. And then Friday, I'll roll one out following the game, a Friday morning recap as to what happened between North Dakota and Utah. I keep wanting to say Southern Utah. I I think I've gotten the names about – 
wrong about 800 times. Montana State, I've gone with Montana. Uh, just look, the FCS games are great. They're nice to get you out, get you boost that that win percentage, get you more wins, and you get an extra, you get that home game. Utah essentially doing two uh, conference home or non-conference home games every year, two to three at this point. And I don't know the FCS opponent. It doesn't wow me, but but this is the one that should wow you the most of all the teams that have come in recently. North Dakota is the best, and and while they're I don't expect their defense to be as good as Southern Utah's was last year. Their offense to me is easily the best one that Utah has seen from an FCS level. This team's ranked number eight in the country, and they come in and they run the football. They ran for it was essentially two to one last year in terms of plays, running the ball to passing the ball. They were almost two to one in terms of running the football to passing the football, and that, that's what they're going to do. They're going to they're going to line it up, and they'll still work out of the shotgun. But you'll see single back sets, you'll see two back sets, you'll see uh, sets with the I formation, you'll see with the uh, the fullback. They're going to run the football, and the reason they can do it so well is because they've got two guys that can they can really really run it. John Santiago, who is getting a ton of preseason accolades. At the FCS level, guys coming back 983 yards and seven touchdowns last season, and he, he he's more of the speed back, 185, 180, 185 pounder, not a big guy. Uh, I was watching some some clips on North Dakota, which was very very difficult to find online, but I found one in Santiago. He can move. He's he's got some burners. He could move. Uh, a guy that's good enough to play at at a Utah State. And, and he can really move, 983 yards and seven touchdowns last season. But it's a one-two punch in that backfield with Brady Oliveira, who's a big back at 220 pounds, but shifty. The guy can move a little bit too. 897 yards, 10 touchdowns. He'll be your guy down at the goal line. So how does Utah slow down a, a, a rushing attack like this? I mean, and then you've got a quarterback in Keaton Sutton, uh, that, that's not a big guy, 6'1", 200-pounder, but he's been a starter for a couple of years. Uh, doesn't turn the ball over, only two interceptions last season. Runs the ball with some efficiency. How do you slow down that that rushing attack when you've got two guys and then a third and a quarterback? They can they can hurt you. They can do a lot of different things. The power, the speed, and look. I believe in Utah's defensive line, and there's no question not to believe in them. They'll be very good, and they'll eat. They'll have. Although North Dakota's offensive line is big, big dudes. I mean, almost Utah size. The only guy under 300 pounds is their sender at 290, which is the same position Utah's in. Lofalamaka is listed at 290, which means he's like 278. But the, their other four guys are listed over 300 pounds, which is just like Utah. So there's some beef up there. And, and they're going to try to push around that, that Utah defensive line, but but that's that's hard thing to do when you've got guys like Felipe Mokofisi and obviously Alolo to lay inside and then just some some big defensive ends. For the collegiate level, Utah's got big defensive ends and Bradley and I and Kylie Fitz and you just keep going and Devere Hamilton's got good size and Chris Hart has good size and and Max Tupai is gigantic. So Utah obviously has the beef to match up with these guys. Not that they were really worried about that, but their job is essentially, it, it's, it's a little different than last year where you could do your job and take on two blockers and then your linebacker gets eaten alive by a running back. Just gets toasted, gets trucked, gets run over, gets beat. I'm to run past, broke, missed tackles. That won't be the case this year. And it's because of one guy. It's Kavika Luafatasanga. I mean, the guy is so much better than he, I, I get <laughs> it's it's hard to put into words where somebody can completely understand the difference between let's say somebody watched Luafatasanga in game 
seven, six or seven last year for Utah. And then try to explain to them how good he is now in comparison to that. And like you wouldn't believe it. The strides the guy has made. And it's it's about getting comfortable and reading and reacting. He's, he's the same athlete he was. Yeah, he came into camp last year a little bit out of shape and struggled to get in shape for a little while. And getting in shape took a little bit of time. But it's the same athlete. He just didn't know what was happening on the field for, for the first half of the season. I got a guy who is out there making calls. Well, I mean, I've seen him at practice making calls, pointing things out, showing other guys where to go. And he's, he's an NFL caliber type of linebacker. They're going to look at this guy's size and athleticism and say, okay, how productive is he? What, what kind of production does he have? And what kind of instincts does he have? Well, those instincts, instincts are inherent, but he's now combined those inherent instincts with the ability to read and react and recognize what's in front of him. And that's why I think Utah's linebacking core is going to be so much better. So last season, well, the defensive line had to make so many plays themselves or Marcus Williams or Chase Hansen had to come up and make a ton of those plays. You're going to see the linebackers starting with this game do their job. And they're going to need to do it because there will be times where North Dakota's offensive line gets the push and pushes back Utah's defensive line. It's going to happen. It'll absolutely happen. They'll get they'll get a push. They'll get guys down. I mean, running back's going to get through that line a couple of times. Linebackers need to make those plays, and this year they will. There's only two of them out there. Utah's mainly going to run that nickel with the old 4-2-5. But between Kavigalu Fatasanga and Sunia Tautioli, and and don't be don't be surprised if, if Donovan Thompson comes in a game and just lights it up and they're just like, damn. Yeah, let's have that guy play next to Lua Fotasanga. A higher ceiling for, for Thompson than Sunia Tautioli. They're comparable in size. Thompson's a little thicker and shorter, but I think he's a better athlete overall. And he also looks like a 40-year-old man. That would just beat your ass. But the linebackers will make plays this year. And you're going to see that on Thursday night. I don't expect Utah to to just destroy that defensive line. Or excuse me, that offensive line. Because they're good enough to to get some push and and cause some problems for Utah. But this is Utah's defensive line. They're going to get sacks. They're going to get three, four, five sacks. They're going to have a total of ten eight, nine, ten tackles for loss in this game. They're going to get penetration. They're going to get in the backfield. They're probably going to win them. If, if you're grading out, I mean, it's grading out is kind of a weird science, but for them, they, they're going to win a lot of reps, their guys are, because they're that good. And they're going to set it up for their linebackers who aren't a liability this season. And I expect those linebackers, especially Kavika Lua-Futasanga, to have a huge game. People just go, damn. All right, that guy, that guy made some strides. We, Our linebackers aren't terrible anymore. We have a good set of, of linebackers and you've got not a ton of back end depth, but you've, you've got bodies. You got a lot of bodies. You can probably go five, six deep and be, be okay. At least for this game, not when you get to Pac-12 play, but for this game, in terms of the passing attack for North Dakota, they bring back their top four receivers from last season, top four, all back. And they're all big dudes. All of them are six, two or bigger. They got two good start, two guys in their top four that are six, four, uh, Travis Toivunen, 39 catches last year for three touchdowns. And then uh, Damon Mercer, 28 grabs last year, four touchdowns, but almost 20 yards a catch. He's their big play guy. So between slowing down the back, the two backs in the backfield and, and the big playability of Mercer, who with 28 catches, I mean, was just was about 550 yards last year. Like I said, almost 20 yards per catch. That's difficult to stop. I mean, there are playmakers. And, and James Durant over at Utah and talked to the, uh, the offensive coordinator for, for North Dakota. 
And he talked about uh, Mercer and his big playability. And he talked about a lot of these guys saying they have big playability. They've got, I mean, got returning guys that had 39, 28, 26, and 25 catches in an offense that only threw the ball about 290 times total last season. That's pretty good production. They're efficient with the, with, with the ball and throwing it. And their quarterback is went over, just over 2,000 yards last season. They didn't throw it a ton. Like I said, 14 touchdowns, two interceptions. I think it's Studsrud is the quarterback. I hope I'm pronouncing that right. Studsrud. Keaton Studsrud. Studsrud. They're efficient in their throwing game. Think of them as Kevin Hogan Stanford without Christian McCaffrey in the backfield. Think like Barry Sanders Jr. is their starting back or maybe Anthony Wilkerson. Good backs. Very productive backs. So they can beat you in a, couple, a variety of different ways, but for the most part, they're going to line it up. They're going to put that fullback in there. They're going to put a tight end in there, and they're going to run that damn football. They're absolutely they're going to run it because that's what they do well. I mean, they threw, they ran for way more yards than last season. Like I said, about a sixty-five to thirty-five split in terms of run to pass. So, it, it, and with Utah encountering that, counting that pass, but Jalen Johnson's your best corner. I don't know which of these guys he's going to grab. And I think it'll probably fluctuate. But Jalen Johnson will be out there, and he'll probably grab the number one receiver for North Dakota. The other starter, I mean, Casey Hughes was apparently named the other starter. He's a co-starter, I think, with Jalen Johnson. Maybe I'm wrong on that. I don't know. I looked at the depth charts are running together. The beginning of Camp 1 and the end of Camp 1. Well, or was there a beginning of Camp 1? Maybe it was James Durant's uh, sweet-ass depth chart that he's got on some little website thing that he that he ran in. Uh, that he put together that's that's absolutely lovely and helpful. But you're going to have Casey Hughes out there. You're going to have Booby Hobbs out there. And then you're going to see Jalen Johnson's going to get time. And uh, Kenrick Young will probably get a little bit of time. You're going to see a, a couple of different corners out there. But you'll consistently see Jalen Johnson. Excuse me, not Jalen Johnson, but uh, Tur- Julian Blackman on the field. Did I say Johnson before? Julian Blackman is Utah's best corner. All right, Julian Blackman is Utah's best corner. Just to clarify there, if I didn't say that earlier, I'm losing my mind. It's later at night, and this is uh, recorded for the next morning. But... This is a really good group of corners and a very talented group of corners. The drop-off from last year to this year should be minimal to start, and by the end of the season, I think Utah has a better secondary. I really do. I really do. And although North Dakota's quarterback only threw two picks last year, and listening to their, their offensive coordinator in his interview, he said that he essentially called his quarterback a game manager without saying it. He said, I mean, he does what he needs to do within the confines of our offense. That's, that's code for this guy's a game manager. He doesn't turn the ball over. He can run a little bit. He can pass a little bit. Uh, he's a collegiate Alex Smith, though if you go research it in actuality, Alex Smith is much better than a game manager and has a Pro Bowl appearance and threw his throne for quite a few touchdowns. Last couple of seasons is one of the most efficient quarterbacks in the NFL. Just goes to show you how hard it is to shake a narrative sometimes when <laughs> when, it, when it gets stamped upon you. So there are big receivers. I mean, between uh, uh, Toivunen and, and and Mercer and Stanley and Wanzik, uh, they've they've got some some players on the, on that side of the ball that can that can make Utah pay. They can make Utah pay in the passing game. And you, if, if Chase Hansen doesn't go, and that's that's it's still up in the air. You're going to see Corian Ballard as out there. If Chase Hansen doesn't go, they're going to shift Ballard over to the strong safety spot. And and Philip Afia will come in and play that free safety spot, which is weird because I thought Afia projected better um, at a as a strong safety 
uh, when he initially got to Utah. But if Chase Hansen doesn't go, that'll be a lineup. If Chase Hansen does go, I would expect a, a Chase that's pretty close to 90% or so. He's not going to go if he's if he's anything less than that. And you'll have a Utah secondary that just get, is going to need, excuse me, safeties are going to need to come up and help and support a little bit for those linebackers, even though the linebackers won't need it nearly as much as last season. You won't need all those shoestring Marcus Williams tackles. Essentially, for the safety of their job on Thursday night, is don't get let anything get over your head. As good as these guys are at running the football and, and playing a little bit of smash-mouth football, if they line it up traditionally, they're not going to beat you. They're not going to hang with you. And then they hang for a half. You'll end up beating them by three or four touchdowns if they do that. The size, the talent, the speed, the depth will win out. Essentially, they know they can't do that. So they're going to have to take a few shots if they want to knock off what is a much better team in Utah. And that's where the safeties are going to come in and making sure with these young corners over there, even though if you have Ballard and Afia out there, you have two guys making their first ever starts. You'd have guys across the line making their first. I think Booby Hobbs has like one or two starts under his belt, but everybody else will be making <clears throat> brand new starts. Maybe the, maybe Utah gets tested early. Maybe North Dakota's like, all right, let's come out and throw the ball a little bit. Let's let's take a chance here. Let's throw something down the field. Let's see what this this team can do in their second door because these guys are so green. That's why the, uh, the importance of Chase Hansen is uh, – is huge for the team for the season, but but on Thursday night you'd like to have him out there to help prevent that sort of a thing. Even though North Dakota doesn't throw it with a, with a uh, a ton, when they do throw it, they are successful. This team is does not get negative plays. Just don't happen with this team. I mean, they 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 don't turn the ball over, and they don't have negative plays on offense. That's a formula for beating a lot of teams, and that's how. I mean, somehow that's that's how teams get beat that a team like a Utah even though I don't think Utah can lose this game can get beat if, if they don't force a turnover two and the other team forces a few and and is turnover free and they don't give up the the negative big plays on the off, uh, offensive side of the ball that's a pretty good formula for winning so it's it's a good North Dakota offense it's their offense is better than their defense and Utah's going to be tested a little bit this offense might actually be better than BYU's ne- uh, next week I don't know if you watched BYU's game on Saturday, but North Dakota's offense might be a tougher test than BYU's the following week. But I do think Utah should be able to to be efficient. I don't know they're not gonna. I don't think they're gonna shut them out. I don't think they're gonna hold them to six points like they're they've been doing to the the average team that comes through the FCS team the last couple of years. But I do think and I do believe that the Utah should be able to hold them in check enough to win this game. Handily. So take a break on the other side, come back with a couple of game keys and a prediction for the game as, as we get closer and closer to the end of the Utecast and the launch of Ute Zone Radio. This is the Utecast here on Ute Zone and UteZone.com. Time to call it a, an episode here on the Utecast on Utezone and Utezone.com. I'm Brian Swinney. Thanks for joining me. The last Utecast before the season starts and the second to last Utecast of all time. Game keys for Thursday night's, I don't want to call it a big matchup, Thursday night's matchup against North Dakota, which Utah should 
be able to win. Even though North Dakota's good, Utah should still be able to win this thing with ease. For me, five keys to this game. Keep the, the turnover battle even. This is... You don't have to win the turnover battle. This isn't, you're not playing USC. You're not playing Washington. The only way FCS teams beat FBS teams or P, especially specifically P5 teams, they win the turnover battle. They win the turnover battle. They win that turnover battle, it gives them a chance. I would guess, and I have no data to back this up whatsoever, but I would guess off the top of my head that you, that FCS teams that have beaten P5 teams in the last 15 years, I would say probably less than 10% of it were even or had a negative turnover differential in the game. So if Utah, not that Utah has to win the turnover. I mean, Utah could go negative five in this game and still win. It'd be tough. It'd be, it'd be, I think it'd be a very close game at that point. Short fields, Utes giving up possessions. You don't have to to be positive in this game from the turn perspective or even but 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 even is a good start and even keeps North Dakota down they're not they're not going to have a chance to stay close if you keep the turnover battle even or you win it stay healthy I mean that would be the most important one stay healthy for this game that's that's the goal I mean you're going to win you go out and win the game but you got you want to stay healthy if Lil Falamaka can be healthy and Harrison Hanley can help it could be healthy and and Chase Hansen can come back and be healthy and Tyler Huntley is able to stay healthy and you're and and Zach Moss I mean Zach Moss might be very important to stay healthy because for Devontae and Rick Holt to get bumped to number three and Jordan Howard to pass him like I I see a gap for me I see a gap between Moss and and, and Howard not, not that Howard's a bad back but Moss to me is a clearly superior back and keep him healthy your running back situation gets a little dicey because Trey McCormick's now he's a running back, but he's also a wide receiver, and they'll use him in a variety of different ways. But but stay healthy, get healthy, stay healthy, particularly more than anything else on that offensive line. Keep him healthy. That offensive line has six dudes, and five of them have to start. If I don't want to tell me they've got eight guys out there, or nine guys, or ten guys. <laughs> On the depth for Utah. The playable depth for Utah. I hate it right now. I can't stand it. None of those guys can afford to get hurt. Uh, get both parts of the offense rolling. This is this is key number three for me. Get parts of the both parts of the offense rolling at some point. And that means almost force feed it if you need to. Alright, we gotta get this running game going in some way. Let's we're gonna run it and we're gonna run it, we're gonna run it until we get this thing going. And maybe maybe it takes a little while to do that and and then with the, the passing game, let's force feed it a little bit. Let's try to get this thing going. Let's, I mean, we're not going to get crazy out there and get wild and, and make low percentage throws, but hey, let's get, let's make a five, let's throw it five times in a row. Let's keep them, let's make four of those high percentage throws, really high percentage throws, plays that we really, they would think we can execute like 80 to 90% of the time. And let's do that. Let's get this, let's get some confidence for these guys and let's get them rolling. And that's the number four for me is, is that confidence for Tyler Huntley. Cannot kill his confidence. If, Play calling in terms of building up confidence for for Tyler Huntley is going to be huge. But you know what? Troy Taylor knows what he's doing. I trust in Troy Taylor more than I trust. Like I, I love Dennis Erickson when he was here. I trust in Troy Taylor more as a coach for this offense than what I did. But then I did with Erickson in the offense he was running. I just have tons of confidence in Troy Taylor and how he's going to handle this offense and handle Tyler Huntley. And I and, and I think I, I think we're on the same page. We haven't talked about it much. I mean, here and there a little bit. Maybe over like a bottle of wine or pizza or something. Just talking, 
quarterbacks, but I, I, I think Troy, Troy Taylor is going to be just fine at handling Huntley. This this offense will go as Huntley goes, but he'll know how to handle him so they get the most out of him as the season goes along. And then my last key, this will speak right to the heart of Ute fans, and maybe this is the to satisfy the fans more than and maybe the media more than anybody else. Red zone success. When you get in the red zone, punch it in. Punch the ball in. I mean, if Utah is able to punch it in their first three times in the red zone this season, the fans won't even think about it anymore. They'll just stop thinking about the red zone. Oh, okay, we fixed it. We fixed it. That red zone success. And tell your players, because, look, if they get in there and the first two times they get stopped, you don't think in the back of the players' heads they're going to go, oh, man, this again, this again. So... Those are my five keys to the game. Prediction for the game, I do think the Utes win. I've been pretty adamant with that. I think North Dakota is the best FCS team they've played since joining the Pac-12 conference. But I think Utah gets out and starts a little bit slow. Things aren't, aren't great, and they, they kind of work things in, and they really take off in that second quarter. Tyler Huntley has, has a good game. But I think the running game is, is, is mostly what gets it done for Utah on the offensive side of the ball. I think they're able to slow enough of North Dakota's uh, rushing attack and, and really slow down that passing attack that they can't get a ton going until late in the game. I think Utah... Uh, ends up running away with um, this one in a game that's that's close for a quarter and then gets blown out of proportion uh, right before halftime. Utes end up winning this thing 42-17 to 17 over North Dakota. So that'll wrap things up. Be back Friday morning. Friday morning with a brand new Utecast wrapping things up after Utah's very likely victory over the University of North Dakota. I'm Brian Swinney. You've been listening to the Utecast here on Utezone and Utezone.com.